It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <coughs> Well, good evening, my friends, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Word on Wednesday. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministries. Once again, uh, with you on Wednesday night for our regular, regularly scheduled Wednesday night Bible study. Um, tonight we have a treat. We're Again, going back into the Psalms, next week we uh, pick up on Second Samuel and some new things that we'll be try- attempting to do. But this week, in taking a little break from the book of Samuel, we, we journeyed through First Samuel and saw God transforming a nation, building a king. We went through the death of Saul. Um, and we'll begin next week picking up right where we left off. It was a wonderful journey. We learned a lot. We we were really, really blessed by all that we witnessed in his word. Um, but we took the past couple of weeks off to just kind of worship, to just kind of go through the um go through the Psalms, a couple of Psalms, because Psalms are very, very uh, near and dear to my heart, and I know that they're near and dear to yours. Um, I know that some of you tonight uh, might be a little troubled by uh, the election. I know that I was a little upset last night when I saw what was going on, but um, God spoke concerning it, and the thing that he reminded me of is that uh, he's still on the throne and that nothing happened, nothing catches him off guard. And we're further reminded that he is the one that's allowing Donald Trump to uh, go into the White House. So this is all part of his plan. Um, Sometimes I think God has a a sense of humor that's beyond uh, imagination. But anyway, and he basically just said, you know, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Um, And then he reminded me of a song um that uh um that really really blessed my heart and I'm trying to think of the name what the song was um oh I can't even think of it now I've sang it so much today but anyway the bottom line is that oh I know what it was it was be not dismayed whatever betides god will take care of you beneath his wing of love abide god will take care of you. And he, he brought that to my heart. He, he brought um, several passages of scripture to me to kind of con- confirm it, what was going on. And after that, I, I haven't thought about it anymore. And I, I refuse to look at TV and see him gloat, but, you know, uh, God's got this thing. And so we need to be very, very cognizant of that you know, and reminded that, you know, it wasn't President Obama. It wasn't the Democratic Party, or even the Republican Party, that was um, that's doing anything for us. It's God, and so we need to uh, make sure that we keep our eyes focused on Him. But in any event, um, let's pray. Let's get ready to get into the Word. Get your Bibles. Uh, get your um, get your Bibles. Get your pens and papers. Um, in his name we come to say thank you. We thank you, O Master, that you are Lord. We thank you that you are our King and that we can't vote you in or vote you out. Hallelujah. That that you're God and God all by yourself. And so tonight, Father, we come and some of us are troubled by what we see taking, taking place in our government. But, Lord, our confidence is in you. 
Our eyes are on you. Thank you, O oh God, for reminding us that you sit high and you look low, that your eyes are always on your saints, and that they're running to and fro looking for us so you can show us your favor, so you can show us your love, to show us that you're ever-present help when we are in trouble. Father, we thank you that according to your word that you said that we would go through fires and floods and that you'd be there. Father, now, even right now, touch the hearts of those who are troubled by this election. Touch the hearts of those who are worried about what's going to happen. Touch their hearts and allow their minds to come to you and their eyes to come to you and their hearts to come to you because, God, you told us to cast all our cares upon you. You further said that you would keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So, Father, our focus is on you tonight. Now touch these airways, Father, and draw. I lift up churches everywhere that are open in your name. I lift up pastors and I lift up leaders who are following hard after you. I lift up the brokenhearted. I lift up those who are wondering where their next meal is coming from. I lift them up to you tonight. I lift up the unemployed. I lift up the underemployed. Father, we know that you have jobs that men have never been on. We know, Father, that you open doors and no man can shut them. So tonight, Father, for those who are seeking employment, those who are underemployed, we lift them up to you tonight and ask you to bless them with that which they stand in need of. Then, Father, we pray tonight for those who have troubled minds, those who, who can't seem to get focused. We pray, Father, that you would just touch them. We pray for those who are sick tonight, O oh God. We pray for those who are in hospital beds and, and who are under doctor's care. God, you have more healing in the hem of your garment than all the drugstores in the world. And tonight we ask that you would heal your people, O oh God. We pray for those who are, who are plagued by demons and are under demonic attack. We ask, O oh God, that you would, you would claim them even right now. It says... Uh, that you, O oh God, would lift up a standard, lift up the standard before those 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 people with troubled minds and who are who are being afflicted by demons, and speak a word, O oh God, and speak a word that says that 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 makes that demon flee. O oh God, we need you today. O oh God, we love you and we bless you. O oh God, have your way tonight in this Bible study. We pray, O oh God, that, that the voice that they hear in their heart would be your voice, that the urging would be that of the Holy Spirit, that you would go into the deep places of their life and bring healing to them. O oh God, have mercy on us tonight. Help us, O oh God, love on us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're one who don't know Jesus, who have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, tonight we invite you to consider Jesus. Tonight we invite you to consider what God has done through his son, how he allowed him to go to the cross to pay our sin penalty, how Jesus hung on that cross, because we were separated from God, and God loves us so much that he wanted to have fellowship with us. And so he sent his son to pay our sin penalty, and the only thing that we have to do is receive him by faith. Now, by faith doesn't require you to understand everything that God did. By faith doesn't uh, require you to know a thousand passages of Scripture or anything. By faith simply means that you will Act on what you believe. And if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and you can confess him with your mouth, 
and by saying simply, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I ask him to be my Savior, and I want him to be my Lord. I, 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 I repent of my sins, and that's just a fancy way of saying I'm turning away from my sins, and I want to follow Jesus. I want him in my life. I want him in my heart. I want him to, to I, want, I want a fellowship with him. If you can say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and if you ask him to be your Savior and repent of your sins, God will save you right now. Jesus will come into your heart. And then if you do that, if you do that, then what I want you to do is I want you to, to go and find another Christian. And it won't be hard to find them because God will lead you right to that person. Go find a church. God will lead you to that place where they can, can share with you even more about this salvation that you have now received. They can teach you what it's like to, to, to follow Jesus. They can get you, get you into a Bible, and you can get into a Bible study, and you can begin to learn the ways of God and how you can please God. Learn all of that. But you need to find yourself uh, a Christian who is uh, who is following God, a church that's following God and teaching the Bible, and I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. God will transform you. God will transform you. God will transform you. And it's a wonderful thing to be in the family of God. Okay, so I pray tonight that somebody hears this word and that they would they would give their life to Christ. And for those of you who are out there now who, who um, as I say, are, are witnessing to people, don't, don't stop. We're supposed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the land. And there's, there's no better time than now to share it. Amen? So, but that's it. Let's get ready for tonight's lesson. And tonight's lesson is going to come from Psalm 32. And I have entitled uh, this lesson, I believe I entitled it, uh, How to Be Happy. And I think the reason why God is sending us to this particular word tonight is that there's a lot of sad people, uh, but they're sad for the wrong reasons. They're sad because of this election, or they're sad because of perhaps maybe a relationship with with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or there's trouble with the husband, there's trouble on the job, and so they're upset. But I want tonight. I want to talk about true happiness. I want to talk about how you can really, really be happy, and be happy in such a way that all that other stuff, even though that other stuff is not changing, even though your boss is still a, you know, just a terrible individual, or your husband hasn't made up with you, or your your wife is, you know, maybe walked out on you, or the kids aren't acting right, and the the lawnmower won't cut right, and you just finished raking all the leaves, and then all of a sudden a whole bunch more leaves just fell down, or things are not going your way. When you get the right kind of happiness, I'm going to tell you, all that stuff don't mean nothing. It means absolutely nothing. So with that, go with me to Psalm 32. And I'll do a brief introduction on Psalm 32, and then we're going to just begin to dive right in. And for those of you who have uh, studied Psalms with me before, you know that we just break this thing all the way apart, and we try to, we, we, we apply it. We, we do a lot of stuff with a Psalm, because Psalms are so rich. To me, when I get into the Psalms, it's like getting a piece of my favorite cake. And my favorite cake is all cakes. Uh, if you give me some pound cake, I hope you give me some ice cream with that. But the rest of them cakes like coconut and carrot and chocolate and German chocolate and vanilla and lemon and banana and, and any kind of cake that you can come up with other than sugar-free cake. I don't look sugar-free cake. That's not cake. That's not cake at all. That's just some bread. No, I want. I like cake. When I get into the Psalms, it's like you know they, they put me in a bakery with all of my favorite sweets. 
because the psalms are so sweet and they they speak to you so many different uh, so many different ways. I mean, you got psalms of worship and then you got psalms of praise and you have psalms that teach and you have psalms that that that, that help you cry. They're called the laments, and then you have psalms that help you you know get your anger out. The uh, uh, you know all of the, the psalms are just so rich and wonderful. And and they span the range of human emotion and and all. Oh, they're just wonderful, wonderful. And we don't we don't spend enough time in them. And more importantly, we don't spend enough time studying them. But go to Psalms 32, and I'm gonna uh, we'll talk a little bit about this psalm. I'm, just, I'm taking my time getting over the honor. I know you guys out there that got those iPads, iPhones, and stuff. You guys are you guys are all over this, but it's Psalm 32, and one of the things that you have to understand about Psalms is uh, the Psalms are Hebrew poetry, and I've taught this before. I teach it again. When you look in your Bible, you'll see um, that the way they're broken up, they're broken up. And if you if you got an NIV Bible. If you just just scan and look down, and you'll see in some places there's a double space. Um, each one of those sections before the uh, prior to being a, seeing a double space, what those are called is they're called strobes. Um, the best example is they're kind of like a paragraph, but in each one of those strobes there is a a thought that the psalmist is trying to convey. And in this particular one, I'm going to count one, two, three. There's four strobes in this one, according the way the NIV breaks it up. Um, I want to. I, I, we'll take a strobe by strobe approach and draw out first what the psalm is saying, and then we'll go back in and we'll do the application. Now, during the course of going through this strobe. Uh, what I'd like you to do is, for those of you who have questions, uh, and you are on, uh, and you're on, um, um, what do you call this thing? Blog Talk Radio, and you're on, you're on the internet. I want you to give me a call at nine two nine four seven seven two three zero four nine two nine four seven seven two three zero four. And for others of you who um, are listening via Periscope, then type your question in. I'll read it, and we'll discuss it. I like this study and all studies to be discussions, and I, I want to tell you that no question that you have is a dumb question to me uh, because if if you got it, then somebody else probably wants to ask the same question. And further, uh, it's probably one that I've asked and if I haven't asked it, then it'll be a great thing for me to hear the question so then we can explore and look for an answer together. Amen? So with that said, let's look at the first stroke. Well, no, even before we get to the stroke, if you look at the very, very top, it says, uh, of David, a masculine. Now, this indicates to us that this is a teaching song. This is a prayer song, but it's a teaching song. It wants to teach us something. It wants us to understand something. Um, and in, as you go through the Psalms from time to time, what you'll see is the prayers of an individual or the prayers of the church. Um, because again, even back then, there were there were there were portions of the liturgy uh, in Israel where all of the people would recite their prayers together, and this is something that you know in the Christian church today, uh, we the only one that I can think of, uh, in especially amongst us Baptists and Evangelicals, the only time that I know that we pray together is when we recite the Lord's Prayer or what is actually the disciples' prayer. 
Um, I can't think of any other time when we're actually uh, all praying the same prayer word for word together. I know that sometimes in church we'll all begin to pray simultaneously, but um, I think that's that's really missing from the church. Sometimes we will, you know, pray together on a common theme uh, with each person, you know, praying the way the Holy Spirit leads them to pray. But I don't recall us doing a whole lot of this. So it's something that we need to think about in, in, in our churches today. But this is a masculine, this is a teaching song, uh, and so what this psalm wants to do is it wants to teach us something. And the psalm begins, and I'll, I'll start with the, the first strobe, which is merely verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit is no deceit. Now, the first thing I want you to see in this Psalms is that the redundancy of the word blessed. The second thing that I want you to see is look at the look at what he says. He says, whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, and whose sin the Lord does not count against him. Now, you see the word uh, transgression, you see the word sin, and this is in the NIV version, and then you see the word sin again. Now, when you look at other translations, that second sin that you see in verse uh, 2 is actually a different word uh, from the first one. I think the first sin in the Hebrew is hata, which means sin, which is translated sin. And the second word that is in there, awan, which NIV translates as sin, but the actual translation is inequity. So what you have is three different words here now. You have, or three different uh, descriptions of sin. You have transgressions, you have sin, and you have inequity. And so what's the difference? What's the, well, first, let me back up just a little bit. I want to grab my notes because I like to do things in order and there's a lot of stuff floating around the top of my head and you know, if I if I don't have my notes in front of me, then I'm not in order. I mean, I and what the, there's a couple of reasons why I always use notes. One of the reasons that I use notes is because that way I stay on track, and I don't go off on tangents. Because when you you know this 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 brain up here, it like it's, sometimes it just go off someplace thinking about something, and the next thing you know, we're supposed to be talking about Psalm 32, and I'm stuck someplace in Mark or Luke or something like that because that's something that I'm studying or that's something that's on my mind. So it keeps, it keeps my thoughts narrow. Okay. So the first thing that I want that this, this, uh, um, this Psalm says to me is that it says the man who has received forgiveness is a happy man. So if you really want to be happy, Make sure that you've been forgiven. And let me take it a little bit further. And just these two verses, and I'm, I'll show you how I get that out of there. If you really want to be happy, make sure you have been completely forgiven. Now, why do I say that? Well, first of all, let's get that the happy part. That word blessed actually means happy. The word blessed means happy. And Happiness or being happy is having a feeling or showing that you having a feeling or showing that you have pleasure or contentment. So happiness is being content. Happiness is is a feeling of pleasure. And so a lot of times when you say, ooh, she come up in here mighty happy today because she came up in here maybe singing or smiling. And so 
her outward countenance or his outward countenance shows that this individual is in a state of contentment or this individual is enjoying themselves. And so the Bible says that happy is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. Now let's deal with that word transgressions. Transgression, a transgression is an act of rebellion or disloyalty. It is a premeditated crossing of the lines of God's laws. A transgression is premeditated rejection of God's authority. It is us thinking about what God has said do, and it's basically saying, I ain't doing nothing. I won't do that. That's a transgression. When we purposely rebel against the word of God, we have committed a transgression. So let me give you an example of that. So the word of the Lord says to us that we are to forgive, that we might be forgiven. And somebody has done something, and I don't care how egregious it is, God tells us to forgive. And remember the conversation that he has, well, how many times should I forgive him? Uh, seven times? No, 70 times seven. Basically meaning how much forgiveness they need, you give it to them. But there are some of us, and, you know, I have to hold my hand up because, you know, every now and then I, I struggle with, with, you know, I got that I'm still being dealt with about that. I want to get them back first, and then I let them go. I, I, I like that, you know, I hate to admit it, but every now and then I want to give me some revenge, period. I want that joke, and oh, well, if I get him now, then he won't come back bothering me. You know, or he shouldn't hit me because I've been taught to hit him back. And every now and then we get to a point where we know that we're supposed to forgive. The word of the Lord will come to us and it'll remind us, you know, you, you, you know, you got to make that right. You know that, you know, you're walking around harboring hatred and, you know, you're walking around with something against that individual. And so you need to let that go. And we basically say, no. Not until they do this or not until they do that. There are no conditions given on forgiveness. We're just supposed to forgive. And when we refuse to obey what God has told us to do, we have transgressed. We have transgressed. But happy is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. It further says that um, happy is the man whose sin, let's talk about sin, that word hatan, it is an act that misses God's expressed and revealed will, or we just miss the mark. We don't conform to the word of God. We aim at something. And we just don't get it. And this word, uh, hatan, it could be intentional or unintentional. It is still sin. When we don't do what God has told us to do, when, you know, again, uh, we miss it. We miss it. Now, it's not like, you know, sometimes we try to get it done and we don't. That's sin. And then other times, we don't even try. We just don't do it. That's, that's what God calls sin, when we don't comply with the word of God. And the third one, and, and I'm going to go back to these because there's, there's a lot of meat there. The third one it says is, is, is this is the inequity. It says that whose sin the Lord does not count against him. Now, this is that inequity, and when we look at inequity, it is a crooked or wrong act often associated with conscience and intentional intent to do wrong. So 
This is us getting over on folk. This is us scheming and cheating. This is us intentionally doing something that we know is wrong to someone else. So if we know we owe somebody some money, this is us ducking that individual so we don't have to pay them. This, uh, uh, if we know that it is our turn to do something, and rather than do it, we devise some kind of lie and say, you know what, uh, this is why I'm not doing this or this is why I can't do that. Uh, that's when, that falls under the category of, of inequity. It's us being perverse and crooked. It's us cheating. It's us lying. It's us stealing to try to not walk upright in our relationship with God and man, but instead to get over on somebody. That's an inequity. And so he says that that that, that the man who sin is the Lord does not count against him. The man who's inequity, the Lord does not count against him. And it because why is it? Why 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 is God doing that? Because what when that man is in that state and there's a there's a reason why he's in that state, and we'll get to that in the second stroke. A person in that state is happy. A person who has been completely forgiven is a happy person. Isn't that something? A person who has been cleansed of his transgressions, who has been cleansed of his sins, a person who has been cleansed of his inequities. Now look at the look at the Look at the last line on that, on verse 2. It says, and whose spirit is no deceit. And and when we talk about deceit, whose spirit there is no falsehood, whose spirit there is no treachery, whose spirit there is no guile. This person is happy because he is totally clean. He is totally forgiven. His, his sins have been atoned for. And what the psalmist is describing is a person who, through God's forgiveness, is in a proper relationship to God. His transgressions, sins, and inequities have been properly dealt with through acts of confession and sacrifice. Blood has been sprinkled. This is an Old Testament concept now. Blood has been sprinkled. Sin has been paid for and carried away. So when this per this person has had his sins cast into the sea of forgetfulness and God remembers them no more, this person is able, has the ability to come into the presence of God, to fellowship with God, and there are no barriers, there's no sin barrier separating them from fellowshipping with God, receiving his love, basking in his presence, receiving his grace and mercy. There is no blockage. It's me being able to go to my father and say, Daddy. And when you can do that, of course you'll be happy. What does the Bible say? In the presence of the Lord. How's that go? In his presence there's fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures evermore. That's what, that's, that's what that person is experiencing. And when you got that, of course you're happy. But now look at verse 2, and this is, this is what this, the, the psalmist begins to testify in verse, and in, in not verse 2, but in the second stroke, which begins at the third, it's verses 3 and 4. It says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer Selah. Let me deal with that Selah first. That Selah is, means take a pause and consider this. Look at, the, look at the wording, and we'll break the wording out a little bit in a second and 
told you the implications of the words. But look at what he says. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. It's almost like something was eating his bones, eating it at his insides. He says, do my groanings all day long. Now he's magnifying and showing you that I was in pain. There was something, there was a pain that had me groaning all day long. He says, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Look, and un- he's in a state of unforgiveness. And that's what he's trying to show. He says, when a person is in a state of unforgiveness, when a person is walking around carrying his transgressions, carrying his sins, carrying his iniquities with him, and when a person hasn't dealt with the problems, he says, for me, it was like, oh, was I in pain. Oh, I was moaning and groaning. And why? Because the hand of God, he describes, he says, the hand of God was heavy upon me. When you, when we get ourselves into a position where we're walking around with unconfessed sin, it is just as if it's God is pressing down on us, and it is almost like He's judging us, but He's not quite judging us. But there is a hand of discipline. There is a feeling of discomfort. Have you ever here? Here, here's a way. Here's one way. Have you ever done um, done something wrong? Knew it was wrong. You, you knew that sooner or later your parents were gonna find out, and you was walking around with that thing inside of you, and you couldn't get no peace at all, and. You either want you wanted to go tell mama and go and get the whooping and get it over with, but you were scared to get the whooping, and 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 you just wanted her to just kind of find out, so you can go and get your whooping because that 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 feeling of guilt, that feeling of of that that fear, you you know even if they told you come on let's go outside you can go outside and play. Playtime wasn't that good because you you were always thinking in the back of your mind. Oh, I'm going to get it. I know I did it wrong. Or if they took you to McDonald's and said, you can go and get your favorite meal. The food didn't taste right. Why didn't it taste right? Because you knew that you were carrying that. And this is what the psalmist is describing of a person who, who is under the hand of God in a negative way. He says, when I didn't confess, Mm-mm. He says, when I kept silent, that's what that means. When I wouldn't tell, when I wouldn't go to the Lord, when I was carrying that stuff around inside of me, oh, it, I just didn't feel good at all. There was no happiness. And look at how, how the first stroke works with the second stroke. It's the exact contrast. On one, you're happy, and the other one, you're sad, and you feel like you're dying. He says, my strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. What he's saying there is, he says, he, what he's saying is that I was just getting all dried up. You ever seen a plant in the summertime, and without water, and the sun just keeps beating down on it, and the plant just slowly but surely begins to wilt because they can't get any nutrients, they can't get any water, uh, and as they say, even though the plant is deep down in the ground, it's got roots deep down in the ground, the ground is so dry that they just can't get anything to nourish themselves. And so this plant is slowly but surely beginning to, to lean over and wilt and then die. That's what it's like when we walk around with unconfessed sin. We're going to, as they say, we're just going to dry up and die. But then he comes back and he says, well, he says, sailor, just like I said, think about that. Take some time to consider that. 
What do you mean? What do you mean, Pastor? Well, first of all, think about this for a second. What kind of stuff are we walking around with right now, and what do we need to do with it? In your life right now, are you experiencing true happiness or not? I mean, even if you're undergoing trials and tribulations, even if you're suffering for righteousness' sake, when you are suffering for the kingdom, there is an element of joy, there's an element of happiness that's always there. And uh, Paul and Silas, a classic example, they got beat and thrown in jail, but there was something inside of them. There was a hope inside of them. They They knew that they were doing the will of God and they were suffering for righteousness' sake. And sub- subsequently, they were able to go in and worship and sing songs of praise, hymns and songs of praise to God, even in that condition. So if that's not your case, why aren't you happy? Is it because there's something going on on the inside? Are you harboring something? Are you holding on to something? Did you do something that you think was so egregious that you can't go to God with it? That's what this psalm is teaching us about. He says, go to verse uh, 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And you come to another Selah. So what's he saying? When I acknowledged my sin, When I came to you, God, and I said, look, this sin right here, this transgression right here, this inequity right here, that's my stuff. This belongs to me. I did this, and I'm sorry, and I need forgiveness. When I came to you not trying to to make a whole bunch of excuses and not trying to say, well, you know, I didn't do this or lying. Or when I when I when I opened up my mouth and just said it, just like it was to you, what happened? It says, when I confessed, you forgave me. That's a, that, that my just in case you're following along and you're trying to get my points out of each thing, and I. Again, I'm not even looking at my notes. I'm just running through. But I I had three great points here that I wanted you to be able to write down. The first one from verses 1 and and 2 is the forgiven man is a happy man. The second one that that covers verses 3 and 4 says an unforgiven man is in a state of misery. And we talked about that. And then the third one, which goes to verses 5, 6, and 7. No, yeah, five, five and six. No, just five. Just five. Excuse me. I'm not seeing good. Just five. It says, uh, the confessing man is a forgiven man. And you, we've already said the forgiven man is a happy man. So the thing that it's encouraging us to do is to confess our sins. Don't walk around with that stuff on you. When we confess our sins, what the Bible is telling, you know, and to get that forgiveness, what we're doing is we're getting placed back into right relationship, right fellowship with God. In the Old Testament, it's right relationship. But in the New Testament, it is fellowship because all our sins have been forgiven already. We just need to confess them. Okay. I can go into that a different another time. But the bottom line becomes one of, he says, when I confessed, you forgave. And this speaks to the faithfulness of God and the desire of God who always wants to be us to be in right relationship with him because he wants to fellowship with us. He always wants us in his presence. Think about this, you who, who, who have children and who love your children and you children who love your parents. You always want to be around somebody that loves you. You don't want to leave. When somebody really loves you and is really committed to you, you're like, oh, I can stay there all day long. 
Because this is a this is an atmosphere of love. Think about this churches. Think about this pastors. If your church does not have a loving atmosphere, this will it will explain why nobody's lingering after service. It explains why everybody just gets there right on time or a little bit late and are running over the ushers trying to get out the door because the atmosphere is not an atmosphere of love. And they're just punching the clock and coming to hear a sermon or coming to make sure that, you know, I came to church on Sunday. And our communities are suffering because the, there's no, there's no, the, the atmosphere of love is not being created. I need you to think about that. It says, when I made known my sin, when I said this is mine, when I didn't try to cover up my inequities, when I didn't try to, you know, as they say, just put a blanket over and act like it wasn't there, when I pulled all of my stuff out of the corner, God didn't strike me down. God didn't tell me, oh, you's a bad fellow. God didn't scold me, but instead with my sin. And that's what God wants to do with this, with your sin. That's what he wants. He wants to deal with it. He doesn't want you carrying that mess around. He wants you to trust him so much that you give him that. He wants you to be the one that came, that comes in, you know, how, like a child. He says, unless they come as a child. You know what? When a child got a loaded diaper, that child walking around there, and you know something stink. You know, ooh, who is that? But when you got that child that come up and say, ooh, that, that, I messed up. I ain't make it to the toilet. I, I, oh, I need some help. I done made a mistake. When, when, when your child comes to you, with his mistake, with his stinking smell himself, do you say, oh, as soon as I get this off you, I'm going to beat you half to death? If you do, mm-mm. God doesn't do that to us. God says, yep, you made a mistake, or yep, this is a mess, and let's deal with it. And he washes us, and he cleanses us, and he gives us another chance. And he makes it possible for us to come into his presence in love. Confess means I spoke out, I told on myself. That's what God, that's what we need to do. We need to tell on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need to stop waiting to get caught, stop tipping around here, and just go tell God. And by the way, something that I learned many years ago, I ain't telling him nothing that he don't already know. I remember with my mother, sometimes she would just wait for us to come to her and tell her what she already knew. And she would watch us walking around and just feeling just as guilty. And then when we came and told her, it would make me feel, it was like, why you let me torture myself? Because you're telling my idea such and such a thing, and I'm, I'm sorry. She, and she said, I know. And I want I would want to scream at that point in time. Well, if you knew, why you let me walk around here like this? I was waiting for you to come tell me. And that's what God is doing. He's waiting for us to come tell him. Why? So we can be restored. Let's go further. It says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You know, that's what we suffer with, guilt. Guilt, the guilt of my sin. I mean, that you forgave. You even took away that guilty feeling. I'm walking around here feeling all bad. You're feeling all bad because your conscience is telling you that you're out of fellowship with God. What you've done is wrong. And your conscience is tearing you apart. And rather than you just go ahead and say, you know, I'm going to deal with this, you just you take it as long as you can. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sunday morning come around and the preacher preaching, and next thing you know, you hollering and crying and want to fall out at the altar and all of that. You know, you could have dealt with that a long time ago. Really, stop all that crying. Go ahead on, just tell, tell the Lord. And when you tell Him, of course, you know, there's, there's going to be some tears. 
Why is there going to be tears? Because you're really sorry. It's called godly sorrow. And that's what the expression is. That's what they're expressing, expressing here. And God forgave. God didn't throw them away. God forgave. Let's keep going a little further. It says, therefore, and this is the teaching part, okay? He's been teaching all along, but now he's really getting ready. God is getting ready to speak, and God is getting ready to tell you something because there's a change in voice here. Listen to this. It says, oh, wait a minute, hold on. I'm, I'm a little early. It says, therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Yeah, I was a strobe early there. It says that, let me get, let me get it the right place, because I'm jumping all over myself. The next point that I wanted to make is the forgiven man is a protected man. The forgiven man is a protected man. That's this strobe right here. It says that, it says, therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you. Let's deal with that word godly first. That word, basically, that godly connotes that everyone who's holy, let everyone who is a saint, let everyone who is affiliated with you, Pray to you. Now, that's the prescription, a prayer of confession. That's what he's saying. That's what he's teaching. A prayer of confession is the prescription for those who are out of fellowship. When you have a cold, you you know you go maybe you know get something from the from the pharmacist or take some Alka Seltzer. Plus or some NyQuil or something like that, trying to help you out of that situation. Well, when we are suffering from lack of fellowship, when we're suffering from a sin sickness, the prescription for those who are godly, for those who are in holiness, for those who are called the saints of God, the prescription is prayer. The prescription is not, oh, i got to figure out a way to get out of this. Or if I put this over here and forget about it, then it ain't happened and won't nobody know about it. No. The prescription is get down on your knees before God and pray and be restored and get into that protective, get that protective covering that he offers for you. Because what does it say? He says, pray while he may be found. Pray before it gets too late. Pray before your your conscience is so seared that you don't realize that 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 you're drifting farther and farther away from God. That pray before you get in the condition of that second strobe where he says your bones are wasting away and you're all dried up and you're near death, and you've been complaining and groaning all that time. No, don't go through all of that craziness. You just get right down on your knees and say, look, Lord, I ain't hide nothing. I did this. This is me, and I need to be forgiven. Now, look at what, look at what verse 8 says. I'm running out of time. Verse 8, This is notice it says it, the change in person, Listen to what it says. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. First of all, let me show you what the promise that God gives us when we come to him, and not only do we receive forgiveness, but God says to that man who prays, to that man who confesses, I'm going to show you how not to do that again. What does it say? It says, I will instruct, I will teach, I will counsel, I will surround you with love if you trust me. 
When you come to me and you confess, that is an act of faith. And that faith indicates that you trust me to do what I said that I was going to do. And what did I tell you that I would do? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All that we've learned right here is contained in that verse right there. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. What that thing says, he says, then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquities. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and he forgave me. God is faithful in forgiveness. He doesn't say, look, I'm I'm going to do this to you, I'm going to do that to you, and I'm going to do the other to you, and then, you know, I might just forgive you. No, no, that's not what he says at all. That's not what the scripture in the Old Testament, this psalm, or the New Testament teaches us. He said he'll forgive us. He says, I'll surround you with my love if you trust me. So God comes to us, and after he washes us, he atones, that makes atonement for our sins and cleanses us, he surrounds us. Can you imagine a, a loving father just wrapping his arms all around you? Kind of like this, the father did for that prodigal son. When that prodigal son came home, what did, what did his father do? He, ran, he was standing out on the roadside waiting for his son, ran to him and embraced him. And even while the son was trying to confess his sin, the father was like, hey, we finna party because my son, who was lost, is now found. He says, "If you trust me, I'm gonna lead and guide you." He gives us the Holy Spirit, and the, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is to lead us into all truth. And when we, when we're in fellowship with God, and and God's Spirit is leading us and guiding us. That's what is described right here. The work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. But look at this. Look at the contrast that he makes between the man who's forgiven and the, and, and the one who's not forgiven. He says, he says he, look at the illustration he says. He says, don't be like the horse or the mule who have no understanding. We have to understand our privilege in God of confessing and getting forgiveness. He says, don't be like the horse or the mule who have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle. God gives us a free will so we can come to him. But the mule or the horse, it's like they, they don't know what to do. This psalmist has just taught us what we should do. And we ought to have sense enough to know to trust God, even with our sins, and to trust that he knows what to do with them, and to trust that, you know what, we've been following our own way, but now if we trust God enough, we could surrender our will to him, and he's going to teach us and instruct us. The forgiven man follows the instruction of God because he places his trust in the Lord. The wicked man does not, and he always faces calamity. Let me finish. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusted him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. When we are forgiven and when we're in right standing, it leads us to a place of worship. It leads us to that place of rejoicing. It leads us to that place of thinking. It leads us to that place of loving God and enjoying his fellowship. That's Psalm 32. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to thank you, that you tell us that happiness is having a right relationship with you, and that those of us who have fallen out of fellowship with you, those of us who have sins unconfessed, inequities unconfessed, transgressions unconfessed, can come to you and find mercy and help in our time of need. You tell us to come boldly before the throne of grace and get that. And so here we are tonight, God, confessing and repenting of every sin known 
and unknown, asking that you would wash and, and make us clean and bring us into fellowship with you. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, that's, been, that's the word on Wednesday tonight, and we pray that you enjoyed Psalm 32. We pray that you enjoy this teaching, and next week, uh, the Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we will be starting Second Samuel chapter 1. You can start reading that. But go back and read this uh, psalm again. And, and if you've got some stuff that you need to deal with, don't deal with it. We don't deal with it. God is faithful. You're not telling him nothing that, first of all, that he not, doesn't already know. And secondly, you ain't getting ready to tell him, tell him nothing that he hasn't already dealt with millions and millions of times over. None of it, it just don't happen. You're not going to surprise him with nothing. You're not going to sneak. You and your sin or your inequity or transgression, I'm not going to sneak that up on him. He knows about it already. He's just like my mom. He's just waiting for you to come and tell, you know, what you did so you can get what you need from him. And with that said, let me say this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You, your family, your neighborhood, and everyone you come in contact with. Because God has his eyes on you. Be blessed and have a wonderful evening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.